Today we're going to talk about when to let go in relationships. And it's a little bit of a trick, but I'll kind of uh, give you the two sides of things. Have you ever noticed that usually people kind of err on one side or the other where they will either quit too quickly on relationship? You've ever had that happen like friends just <laughs> kind of like light switch and walk out and you're like, what happened? You know, I wish they had hung in there to work things out or I wish because I would have been willing to work on things. Or on the other hand, have you ever been in relationships where you felt like maybe you hung in there way too long? Has that felt like that? So we're going to talk about when to let go and, uh, and how <clears throat> a little bit. So first, uh, we're going to talk about letting go too early. Let's go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. This scripture really resonates. Whenever I think about hanging in there in relationship, this scripture comes to my mind. It says, if it is possible, as much as depends on who? You. Live peaceably with all men. And that word men is the word for people. <clears throat> so as much as it is our part, as much as what we can do, if it's possible, which it's not always possible because the other person's not always willing to participate, correct? But as much as what we can do, and that's what we want to look at, because we can't do anything about what somebody else does. All we can do is look at what is our part in this and what can we do about it. To live peaceably. <clears throat> and then in verse 19 it says, <coughs> pardon me, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, I love this, if your, what is that? Enemy is hungry, feed him. Wow. Think about an enemy. I mean, just think about that. Think about people. We've all had enemies at certain times, right? People you can't stand, people that have been mean, horrible, despicable behaving people, perhaps. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will re heap coals of fire on his head. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Just, what does that mean? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It doesn't sound pleasant. <laughs> it's just like, <clears throat> there's different, you know, it's funny. I've heard it. I've heard people in this figure of speech uh, talk about it in different ways. But uh, it says, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. So it's kind of interesting. In relationship, usually when there's struggles, everybody wants to look at what the other person's doing that's wrong, right? Have you ever, you know, where it's the right-wrong thing, where, you know, you see this particularly when, you know, I'm, I've been in uh, coaching with married couples, etc. but he this, but she that, do you know what I mean? Like, if only they would change this. You know how futile that is? It's exhausting, and it doesn't really get you anywhere, does it, in relationship, focusing on if only the other person. You see it, too, because we have our, our dating workshop uh, Facebook page, and it's so funny, like, the things that people will write on there. They're like, why are all women money grubbers, or why are all men jerks, or do you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> the single people's perspective on this is it would be fine if only the other people would change. So... Instead of getting, you know what's funny is like the, the, the focusing on somebody else and blaming doesn't work. It's all we can do is do our part. And we're going to talk about that and how to stay safe in that and get out of the blame game. Because when we get into blaming, 
you know, it's a lot of times if you find yourself doing that, you know, Henry Cloud talks about the fact that it's oftentimes a signal that you feel afraid or judged or sad about a fault to sit there and focus on the other person. And that we are, to get out of that, be more focused on self-scrutinizing and being concerned with our own soul state, that that's where we want to focus. Now, um, and we're going to see how God can take care of you in this when you're doing the part that you need to do. So Colossians 3 and verse 12, there's another one. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, and look at this, tender mercies. And putting on is an effort that we do. It's something that we deliberately choose to do. It says, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. And long-suffering means putting up with crap. That's what long-suffering means. You probably don't use that word a lot. It means put up with a lot of crap. <laughs> And then in verse 13, it says, bearing with one another, which is hanging in. It's hanging in there with other people and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So that's, we're called to do a lot, like even in the face where we have to rise to the occasion, where we have to be the bigger people. And I'm going to show you why it works, because does that sound scary that I'm saying that? You know, like, wait, I'm supposed to be nice to mean people? I'm supposed to be kind, etc. I'm supposed to forgive? Last week we talked about forgiveness and the power of that in letting go. And letting go, we, it was letting go of grudges and anger. Uh, and that the, the key is in forgiving one another. And that forgiveness is something that we do for our hearts. But forgiveness is not the same as trust. We talked about that last week. It's up online if you missed it. But there's a difference between forgiving somebody and trusting someone again. And that's a piece of how you keep your heart safe in this process. But you can forgive. You can be kind. And I'm going to... I'm going to get the picture here where you see that living as a kind person, as a caring person, as a forgiving person, you can do this in a way that keeps you way safer than trying to pay back tit for tat. You know, that trying to say, well, I, I have to act this way, you know, because of what they're doing. In Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 21, it says, <laughs> I think this is funny. Um, also, do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times, also, your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. <laughs> you know when you get all really hot and bothered because somebody said something rude or obnoxious, like, how dare they? How dare they say that about me? It's saying... You know, just check it out. You've done it yourself. A lot of um, just looking at this in relationship and keeping our heart safe is getting in the mindset of looking at whatever we do, whatever we're getting mad at somebody about, it just helps to look at your own heart to say, when have I done that? You know, it's just sort of, I have, even, and I get it. Sometimes it really does play out where the other person's way more wrong than you. It's, there's true times like that, and we'll talk about that. But it's not ever hurtful to look at wherever it lives inside of you. 
It just gives your heart softness, helps you to forgive, helps you to understand, etc. Okay, in 1 Peter 3 and verse 8. You know, it's funny, like, okay, well, I'll bring that up later. 1 Peter uh, chapter th 3 and verse 8, it says, I love this. Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, for the just and the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So there's, I, I want to kind of talk about different pieces of this, because this really speaks like powerfully to my heart, and it just helps. It's like, you will suffer sometimes for doing good. Welcome to life. It's not fair. You know, it's not the will of God for that. But there are times where you will be good and do good and be kind and people will not return it. They will hurt you or try to, you know, try to harm you. It, that, that will happen in life. But part of this and understanding is when we do what we're supposed to do in relationship. And we're going to talk about how to stay safe against people that are toxic and mean and hurtful. We'll talk about that as well. But when we focus on being kind, God takes care of that, us in this. It says, in many ways, but it says, it says, he who would love life and see good days, that's one of the payoffs, that and inheriting the blessing it talks about, that God is for you and will take care of you, because when you're putting the good stuff out there, it doesn't have to come back from that person. God is big enough to take care of you and your heart. It's possible to do that. And even having compassion, I, I just got kind of like, it touched me in my heart because I've had, in this last year, I've had some people that have hurt me pretty, pretty much. You know, I've got a couple of betrayals that have occurred and that were hard. And you know what? It helps my heart to keep it soft that even people that have wronged me, that have lied to me, that have, you know, been very, very hurtful, for me to have compassion on them. Because if their hearts are so hard to be, have it be okay to lie or to betray, honestly, I hurt for them. That is actually the truth. And the Bible says to pray for our enemies. That helps my heart to pray for people that have hurt me to say, 
you know what, God, I hope they come around. I hope there's a time that they, that they get healing, that they repent, that they come back to you. Because you can't be happy. We talked about it last week as far as forgiveness. That Jesus said, verily I say they have their reward. If somebody's living like a jerk, they will pay the consequences of it. Not because God's dishing out you know, his vengeance in that moment. But if you are awful in relationships, if you're hurtful, if you're a liar, if you're abusive, etc. You're going to pay the price for that in your life. If you're the person that is the loving person, is forgiving, is doing your part, is working towards relationship, is doing all you can to stay connected, to resolve things, you're going to have amazing relationships and your life will be blessed. You know, and it's true. Like, I have great relationships. I have, like, the best, I think my life's the best of any person I know, practically, because I have, have amazing, amazing friends and good people I have all of you. <laughs> You know, and to share that love and to share the love of God, it's just like, I am a rich woman in that. I'm just rich. Amen? Yeah. So people can't steal that part. And the thing is, is if we think that somehow hardening our heart and making walls is going to protect us, it doesn't. It just winds up hurting you more because you never draw really good relationships to you. Having a hard heart being bitter is just not good, you know? And then it even says, it says, you, you know, it's better. I want to. If I'm going to hurt, if you're going to err, I'd rather err towards love. And I've done that too. I'll talk about that in a little bit. There have definitely been times where what, why I got hurt is, and we'll talk about how that works, loving is never wrong. It's the bound, we're going to talk about boundary setting and how that keeps us safe, but if I'm going to make a mistake, I'd rather love too much. I'd rather give too much. If there's a mistake, that's the one I'd like to make. And then it says, even for Jesus, it says, you know, there's different parts in verse 13, actually. It says, for who is he who will harm you if you become followers? It does happen, but for the most part, people look stupid if they try and hurt you. And that's a part of it, too. Those who revile your good conduct may be ashamed. They're going to look like dumbos. Seriously, I used to have a lot of fear about this. I remember somebody that, you know, years ago that was just like, I used to be so afraid. I used to be so, so afraid when people would turn on me. That was one of my biggest fears, actually, is having people walk out in my life. That was just something. I'd even have nightmares at night, you know. I'd have dreams that all my friends would just you know, walk away, and, and I'd have nobody, you know, it was just like, it came from my, pers my past hurt stuff, but I remember there was um, some, somebody in my life that I had spent a lot of time with and trusted way more than I should have, it's, again, trust versus forgiveness, I gave them trust that was definitely not warranted, you know, they had, did not have the track record there, and then they wound up leaving, walking out on the relationship, and I was hurt, and I had so much fear that everybody was going to take their side and not mine. Like I thought, oh, they're going to, she's going to lie and everything, and I'm, people will turn against me, so that fear was feeding. But the thing is, is when people, it turns out just the opposite. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, we hated her, like, the whole time. <laughs> she was a jerk. I don't know how you could stand her. Like, we only put up with her because you, if you were, you know, uh, talked us into being nice to her. So I was just like, you know, the thing is, um, it's just sort of like, it says when people behave badly and are full of hate, they look kind of like the stupid ones, don't they? 
Somebody talks behind somebody's back all the time. It's just kind of like, really? You know, like, it's just sort of, I had that happen too. There was um, a relationship in my, in my life where somebody's just talking behind everybody's back. And I was just like, well, you know, it was, one of the things is that it was just sort of at this point, I had grown a little bit. This year I've been working on some of this stuff and just went, well, if they're talking behind everybody's back, guess who, what they're going to be doing to me? So I didn't invest quite the same, but I still have a lot of love for that person. So, but we'll talk about what that looks like. So anyway, so even Christ suffered. Man, that just, talk about somebody that was loving and good. Christ was, was horribly betrayed. The fact that people were voting to crucify him when he had just done ministered healing and loved and given, it's just, that's, there's no bigger betrayal than that because with us, we can all see our shortcomings, right? We can all see the places that we've fallen short. For Jesus, he's just like, all good and still was hurt. Okay, so that's kind of like the, you kind of see the picture. God is calling us to give our everything to do what we can to make relationships work, not to walk out on people. God is not call, calling us to say bye-bye, peace out, you know. But I want to talk about walking out too late, and we'll see what that is. In uh, Proverbs 13 and verse 12, <clears throat> it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. Now, this is kind of... Um, what this means is false hope. False hope makes your heart sick. And what false hope is, we talk about this a lot in the dating workshop, is it's looking, it happens a lot in relationships. It happens with many things, but false hope happens a lot in relationships. Where you're in a relationship and you're hanging in there going, if only the other person would change, if only the other person would change. And, and it would be perfect if they would just change. And nothing changes. So... Here's, again, the problem with this is we have no control over what other people do. So setting ourselves up where the entire relationship is contingent upon somebody else changing and us not doing anything about it is false hope. It's, 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 it's a circle you cannot win focusing on if only they would do this. That's false hope. So what we want to do, the answer to this, so it's not really... What's funny about this is I call it like leaving too late, but it's not really. What it is is staying in a relationship without doing anything yourself that gives the opportunity for things to change. So that's what it really is. It's not like you hung out too long. It's like you stayed in something and didn't do anything that gave the possibility for change to happen. So because what we want to do is embrace the reality of the people we're in relationship with, which is acknowledging both the negative and the positive of the other person, accepting what is negative and work with the realities instead of staying locked in protest, argument, and blame. Those are things that aren't going to change. So focusing on what we can do. And so part of that is to set boundaries. Set boundaries is not leaving a relationship. We'll talk about that. It's setting limits. And it's not setting limits on another person. Boundaries <clears throat> are setting limits on yourself of what you will be okay with and not be okay with, what you will allow. So boundary setting is how you stay safe in relationships. I'm going to talk about what that looks like a little bit and how that's the alternative to just walking away. <clears throat> so 
a boundary, boundaries are interesting. There's a great book by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend called Boundaries, and they have a few books uh, that are related to that as well. A boundary is a property line. It's not a wall. A wall, a lot of people, that's what they do in relationships. They pick big old walls. A wall is something where you don't let stuff in and you don't let stuff out. This is going to be tricky on this. Oh, here we go. That works. Um, <clears throat> hold on. You thought I was going to do like a ventriloquist thing, right? Except then <laughs> I thought about it, but I don't know how to do that. So <clears throat> a lot of times people relate to being hurt by building up walls. Walls are where you don't care. Walls are where you're not letting things in, letting good things in, and not letting bad things out. Boundaries are property lines of being clear about what is your part and what is somebody else's part. What's the part that I need to own and what does not belong to me belongs to somebody else. What can I do something about and what is outside of my control? We talked about the power of letting go in week one, letting go of the things that you can't control. And so being clear on that. And that's what keeps you safe. The things that belong to you are your time, your choices, your values, your thoughts, your body, and your actions. Boundaries define you as a person. They also protect you. Let's go to Matthew 18. And you see how speaking up about boundaries can help in difficult relationships. In Matthew 18 and verse 15 it says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, the first thing you do is go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. So this is step one, and most people skip this step. Don't tell other people. That's really hurtful and destructive. You've got a problem with somebody, don't tell other people about your problem with them. You go to that person, unless you need a counselor to help you to figure out how to tell the person. If somebody's super scary, you might need a little bit of coaching, but that's what you, if you're telling another person, it should be for coaching on how to have the difficult conversation. So somebody is in a fault, you tell the person, just you and them, not gossip, all that first. And if they hear you, because that's a good relationship, you gained a brother, you have somebody close, you have somebody you can trust. That's the kind of relationships that we want to let in. There's a difference. We're going to talk about safe and unsafe people, what the differences are. You can have relationships with unsafe people. You, it's, the, it's the fact that you can't be super close. There's a difference. It's not like you got to cut people off. You can be kind. The Bible says to be kind to our enemies. It's just that you can't be in a situation where your deepest friends and your deepest needs, you're going to somebody that's an unsafe person. That's where people get hurt. That's where I've made the mistake before, is treating somebody unsafe like they're my very best friend in the whole world. <clears throat> so if you tell a friend and they hear you, that's a great relationship. That's a safe friendship. You need relationships where you can go tell somebody that you're hurt and they're going to own it. They're not going to, no, I didn't. That's on you. Do you know what I'm saying? This is not a good friendship. But if somebody, if you have a relationship where you can share those things, I was hurt, etc., and, and they can own it, you just gained a brother. And then it says, so that's step one. In verse 16, it says, but if he won't hear, 
Take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear, then tell it to the church. So it's saying, step two, and do you see that there's a fight in, in working towards relationship and closeness? Telling somebody that you are hurt or upset or don't like something invites closeness. It's not against the relationship, it's for the relationship. If you have a problem and the other person knows, how can they fix it? And a lot of times people think somebody should just mind read. They should know not. They should know that they hurt me. No, they don't know, maybe. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but you're not going to really... You don't give them a chance unless you know. I've hurt people sometimes that I had no idea I hurt. I hate that when somebody doesn't give me a chance to fix it. I want a chance to fix it. I know how to say I'm sorry. I know how to make it better if I know. It's been really sad. I've definitely lost some friendships that way where somebody just thought that I knew, you know. Uh, I had a roommate years ago that I loved so much. I just love this girl. She's super sweet. And apparently, I guess because... I was cooking a lot, and I would say, oh, try this. And she'd go, ah, I don't like whatever it was. She's like, oh, I hate chicken. I don't know. <laughs> I hate lentils. I don't know. And then I was just like, well, these taste different. You know, do you want to try it? I, so stuff like that. And she got, was apparently getting very upset because she thought that I meant, what I meant by that was I disrespect her, that I have no idea what she likes and doesn't like. You know, but I was just like, well, you know, when you're cooking, I said, I could stop that if I knew that she was interpreting, you know, hey, just try, you know, why don't you try it? It really doesn't taste like regular lentils. These are special lentils. You know, I just sort of like, she wound up walking out of my life over that. You know, and I was just like, and I said, gosh, I was crying. I was just like, she wouldn't even tell me forever. And then finally I found out, like, a couple years later, I was just like, I, I would have stopped. I, I really didn't mean anything to me, you know. They weren't just regular lentils, you know. Like, I, I was really not attached to that. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a big deal that we're able to speak about things that bother us and not relate as if, well, they should know. You know, that's doing your part. That's doing as much as lies within you to live peaceably. That's your part, do you see? You're responsible for that, God says. So if they don't hear them, what you do is you get help. This could be a counselor. Sometimes people do that, especially in dating or marriage people or whatever. But honestly, even in friendships, if you need to get a counselor, somebody, a trusted person, spiritual person, maybe somebody from the church, you know, some, you know like, and say, I want to work things out with you. You do that in relationship. I would really like to work this out. And if the person's not hearing you, you can suggest, how about we go to a counselor together because I'd like to make this work. If they're not going to hear, then it says, whether it's from other people or to the church, so you kind of keep increasing this. Then it says, but if he refuses to hear even the church, then it says, step four, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, that doesn't mean go to hell. That's not what that means. He'll be like a heathen or a tax collector. Those are, you know, in biblical times, it was just sort of people that are screwed up, sinful people, you know. So it's kind of like, don't make them your best friend. If somebody's a drug addict, you don't have to hate them. But if you're treating them like they're your very best, most trustworthy person, you're in for a rude awakening. People in addictions don't know, you know, are just can't be present in a relationship that way. 
You can, do you see how you can be kind to somebody? But what changes it is not having the expectation that they're going to be your very best friend. That's what that means as far as the heathen and a tax collector. It says, assuredly, and that's a boundary too, is just changing the nature of your relationship. And then it says, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Meaning that it's kind of cool because you can bind the damage that somebody can do to you by setting limits and boundaries. You know, you can limit how much they're able to hurt you by boundaries. Different examples as far as, you know, you definitely, so you see the principles here. You say, speak up, right? Your part is to say something to the other person. But it also says in the Bible that even when we say that, that's coming from a place of love, not being punitive. Sometimes our speaking up is more punitive than saying, I want to resolve things. I'm not trying to hurt you, but I'm just explaining how I'm hurt. A good way, too, it talks about when it talks about the, you know, if you hear somebody talk about you, you know you've done that before, too. It helps when you're confronting somebody in love. It helps me and it helps my heart a lot to connect with where I have done it in some, some way. In any relationship, if there's a part that you could own, or if it's a part maybe not even in this relationship, but where you have sinned in another part of your life, like maybe somebody hasn't told you that there's a problem, it might be good to say, you know, there was a time in my life I had a hard time sharing what hurt me too. So I can understand if that's difficult for you. But it's hard for me to trust you as a friend as I'd like to because you're not telling me when you're bothered by something. You're telling everybody else. That could be a way that you could speak up and share a boundary. And then you see, so speaking up, doing it in love. Number two is getting help from other people if it doesn't work. So you're doing as much as lies within you to live peaceably. And then number three is treat like a heathen so that you can still be kind, still feed your enemy, but you can set limits. Maybe you don't go to that person for your needs. You know, I was reading something I think uh, Dr. John Townsend um, wrote. He said, you can't be manipulated by somebody or controlled unless there's something you need from that person. So you have to get to a place, like that's part of if you have been manipulated or controlled, it's because there's something you're needing from another person. So if that person is unsafe, you want to get where there's nothing you're needing from them. Where you're not relating to them like they are best friends or what have you. Then you set boundaries. You know, that's a part of like treating like a heathen. So ideas of... of of boundaries. You could say it's a condition, depending upon how hurtful it's been, if somebody is being physically abusive, it would be smart to say, I'm going to move out for right now because I'm unsafe in this home. Unless, you know, until you agree to go to counseling with me and work on this. That could be something that that's a boundary. It's not cutting off the relationship. It's saying, I'm willing to work on this if you are. But this is what it'll have to look like for me to feel safe in this relationship. It could be as a boundary. Um, <clears throat> I had a friend of mine that was late all the time, like not a little bit late, but they would be an hour, two hours late. It was just like it got ridiculous. And there was this time I drove all the way out to see her. She lived like an hour away. And I drove out there, and we were supposed to meet at a restaurant. And this is after I had done most of the driving. 
And uh, this is in the beginning of my kind of learning some boundary stuff. And, um, and I told her, it really bothers me when you're late. And, um, you know, I, it's, it feel, I feel disrespected. I feel like you don't care, you know, et cetera. So I drove out to a place that was like five minutes from her home. I drove an hour, met there. She kept saying, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. It's an hour and a half later, she's not there. So I, the, and she, oh, she actually called me and asked me to order the dinner for both of us. And mind you, it was a fairly expensive place. But I went ahead and I ordered the dinner for both of us. And the dinner was done, I had eaten. She still had not shown up. So I ha was faced with a choice. So I wound up paying for the dinner and leaving, but saying, I will never drive to get together with you again. If you would like to get together, the boundary is you will drive to come see me. Because uh, it's just not, you know, I can't do this anymore that you're so late. It's boundary setting, you know. It's not cutting out the relationship. It's just saying this has happened. I've talked to you about it. It's happened repeatedly. It's still not changing. So this is the limit that I'm putting on me. I'm not putting a limit on her. I'm saying I'm not going out there anymore. Do you see how boundaries aren't limiting another person? They're saying this is my condition. Anyway, uh, let's go to Proverbs chapter 27. It says, um, you know, in, in 27 verse 12, it says, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. So it's kind of interesting what this means. And we talked about this last week with trustworthiness. And this is an area that um, I've been growing in in the last few years working on. <clears throat> you can predict another person's behavior by what they have been doing. False hope is thinking some magical change is going to happen when there's absolutely zero demonstration that change is going to happen. I was a very, I was one of the most untrustworthy people that I've ever known, looking back at it. I would lied about pretty much everything for many, many years of my life. Uh, I cheated on every person I was ever in a relationship with. I was a very unsafe, untrustworthy person. So if Adam had met me back in those days, it would have been crazy for him to have wanted to have a relationship with me. But by the time that he had met me, I had done a lot of work, I had done a lot of counseling, and had established different patterns <clears throat> where I didn't lie about anything. I have a very high thing about I won't lie about my weight, won't lie if I'm late, you know, <laughs> any, like I don't even, you know, it's like a big deal, to, lying is a big deal to me today, or true honesty is a big deal to me today. And so when he met me, I had had a pattern of doing some work for, you know, three years and changing my behavior. So I had a different track record, which made me demonstrate that I'm trustworthy. We need to look when we're, when we're in relationships with people, whether they're going to be our best friends that we need something from, that we expect to be there for us, it should be based on what the history has been. That's why we, you need safe relationships of people that have demonstrated being safe over a period of time. You don't know if somebody's really changed unless they've changed over a very sustained period of time. Then you know that their behavior is different. So a smart person, it says, foresees evil and hides himself. You know, this is something where I just told you about the one person I was in relationship with who talked like a lot, like really intensely behind other people's backs all the time. Well, I told them, I said, you know, you are scary. I love you a lot, but you are so scary and I know you're talking behind my back because you do it about everybody else. I said, you're a crappy friend. 
and I don't trust you. I love you, but I do not trust you at all. And so that was kind of a new thing because I love this person. I still have a lot of love in my heart for them. But when they did it to me, I was not shocked. You know, I didn't look at them like with the expectation that they're going to be in my life forever because they have, light, you know, cut out people over and over again and walked out. So I knew, hey, you've been walking out on everybody else without trying to work things out. You will do that to me, and they did. When, you know, so you want to be wise when we're going into relationships of saying, this is what you've done, this is what I expect you to do. And so the things, so we don't want to be needy because that's when we can be manipulated and controlled. We want to be around safe people. We're going to talk about the attributes of safe and unsafe people so you know what that looks like and people that have demonstrated it over time. Patterns. So unsafe people. <clears throat> and if you want the teaching notes for this, you can put it on your connection card today and so you don't have to go writing Matt. What you'll get is uh, not all the notes from the teaching, but you'll get the scriptures as well as this list of unsafe and safe. <clears throat> unsafe people. Think they have it all together instead of admitting their weaknesses. Are religious instead of spiritual? Are defensive instead of open to feedback? Are self-righteous instead of humble? Apologize instead of changing their behavior. Sorry is cheap. Doesn't mean anything unless there's change. They lack self-control. Avoid working on their problems instead of dealing with them. Demand trust instead of earning it. If somebody's trustworthy, they won't mind proving it if they're really trustworthy. Nobody's going to, you know, that's not going to bother anybody. If you're trustworthy, you, you know, it doesn't bother me. You know, you want to be that person who goes, I'm totally willing to prove my trust to you, prove that I'm trustworthy. Don't worry about it. I get people like that all the time. People are scared, especially pastors. People have been hurt a lot. <laughs> Bugs me, really. Hurt by churches or hurt by pastors, you know? And somebody tells me, well, I'm afraid of you. I say, it's okay. I don't mind that. I can deal with that. I am not personally offended by that. You know, I am so willing to go the distance so people can say, okay, this is different, you know? It says, blame others instead of taking responsibility, lie instead of telling the truth, are stagnant instead of growing, avoid closeness instead of connecting. Believe it or not, connecting is a part of being a safe person. Care only about their own desires and needs, narcissism. Don't accept and respect hearing your no answer. Flatter us instead of confronting us. When somebody just blows smoke up your butt, that's not safe either. You want somebody to actually tell you the truth. Act like a parent or child instead of an equal. Don't keep their promises or a negative influence over us instead of a positive one. Gossip, say things behind your back they haven't said to your face. And then safe people, this is what this looks like, is honest, is trustworthy, mean what they say and say what they mean, have self-control, keep their promises, is proactive about their spiritual and personal growth, takes ownership of their faults and works on change, uh, works to change them, is open to and seeks feedback from others, who accepts me and loves me just like I am, who gives me feedback with love, whose influence develops my ability to love and be responsible, who gives me an opportunity to grow, I can be myself around, 
who allows me to be on the outside what I am on the inside, who helps me to deny myself for others and for God, who helps me to become the me that God sees in me, who touches my life and draws me closer to who God created me to be, who helps me to be like Christ, who helps me to love others more. And in Proverbs uh, chapter 12, in verse 26, this is a good one. The righteous should choose friends carefully. <laughs> for The way of the wicked leads them astray. So we want to be wise in picking our friends, guys. We need friendships. We need good relationships. We cannot grow to be the very best we can be without that. So you want to seek out people that, that fall into this safe person that you've seen over a period of time that have been trustworthy because it's been demonstrated. Plus, you need safe people to be able to not need the unsafe ones. Do you see what I'm saying? We need to get our tank filled up with the safe people so that when there's unsafe people, we're not so desperate for connection, for relationship, that we're expecting them to do things that they're not able to deliver. So, as far as when to let go, <laughs> very few relationships should end. If there's really unsafe physically, definitely that would be a cause for doing some very extreme boundary setting and then not and then ending and if the person like you would say I will never be alone with you or with or unless a counselor is present unless you work on that stuff so you want to do boundary setting in that so as much as so basically we want to do everything that's within our power to have good relationships our part our part focus on us our side of the street not focus on we cannot change another person you can't but what you can do is do your part. You can be kind to enemies, but you can set limits, you can set boundaries, you can speak up, you can bring others into it, etc. We are called to be in relationship as much as lies in us to be peaceable with all people, to do what we can to resolve things and to connect. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I feel so grateful uh, for your love and goodness that you take care of us, that we are sometimes hurt by people when it's unjust and where we have been nothing but good. But God, you are able to take care of us. You are able to heal. You are able to mend. And God, that we can have awesome relationships in the body of Christ, awesome spiritual safe relationships that can fill and sustain us. Help us also to be a church, what we're about, that we are a church that helps people to be safe people that we are a church about relationship that's committed to that and helping people to grow to have safe relationships and friendships that fill our hearts and our souls as you have intended the body of Christ to be, God. Thank you so much for these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.